Before we get started, I need to thank a new Patreon patron. Thank you, Kyle Anderson, for becoming a patron of the original cast, and I hope you enjoy all the benefits you get therein, including access to the original cast at the movies. Here as we wind down our year of sequels and biopics, we just did Judy, the Judy Garland biopic. That was our final biopic. Next, we tackle for our final sequel, Mamma Mia 2, which means I have to watch Mamma Mia 2 and Mamma Mia 1, because I've never seen Mamma Mia 1. Next year, well, what's it going to be? It's going to be the year of Barbara. That's right, we're tackling 12 Barbara Streisand musicals, and we're starting early. We're starting in December with Funny Girl, the motion picture, which we're going to do as a special live stream recording for all patrons on December 20th with Robbie Rizal and Roddy Flynn as our guests. Normally, you have to be a patron at the $3 level or higher to uh, access our live recordings for our live streams, but in this special case, all patrons will be able to attend this live stream recording. Become a patron and come watch Robbie and Roddy and I talk about Funny Girl as we kick off the year of Barbara on the original cast at the movies. Patreon.com slash original cast pod. All right, here's the show. Whenever my world falls apart, I never lose hope or lose heart. Whatever the form of the storm that may brew, not with you to lean on, darlings, you. Hello and welcome to the Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn. My guest today is a two-time Broadway World Award-winning singer, actor, dancer, etc. It's Mark William, everybody. Hello. Mark, how you doing? Doing great. It's great to, to meet you through mutual friend uh, Rob Schneider, put us in mm-hmm. touch, and it's, it was very nice of him to do that. And uh, bring you here tonight so that you can talk about... Legs Diamond. Legs Diamond, the musical that closed the theater. That's how yes. that's how big this <laughs> thing was. Uh, how did Legs Diamond come into your life? Well, um, when I went to college, I stumbled upon a site online where you could access a lot of cast albums and a lot of bootlegs and things like that. And Legs Diamond is one of those albums that I grabbed and started listening to it and just fell in love with uh, with the score. Oh, okay. So it's a pure Peter Allen uh, enjoyment on your part? Yeah, and it was it was my introduction to Peter Allen. I hadn't known mm-hmm. anything about him before that. So I fell in love with this album. And then when I talked to my manager years later about it, they said, you know, he was a pop singer and he's got all these great songs, right? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the boy from Oz, right? Of course, famously. Of course. I think most people yeah. probably know Peter Allen, I think, of, of, of who would listen to this podcast as the main character and inspiration for the bio musical the boy from oz exactly uh, and a number of songs from legs diamond are in a boy yes the, are boy, in from a boy, the boy from oz absolutely and it, yeah it's a it, it's one of those shows that 
I think it's it's amazing that there is a cast album for it. Yeah. Um, because it was it's so funny. So the show that has the longest the record for longest preview period is Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark, which has a hundred some previews. Mm-hmm. Right beneath that is uh, Nick and Nora, the ill-fated mm-hmm. uh, Thin Man musical, which I will be talking about in two weeks after this one with Stephen Spotswood. And then here tonight, I'm talking with you about the show that has the third longest preview period <laughs> record, which is yep. <laughs> Legs Diamond. It is... I. I so what did you when you when you discovered it for the first time? What did you did you have a sense of the story or did you you just didn't care? You were just like, oh, these songs are are bangers. I'm in. I mean, you get a basic idea of the mm-hmm. story. Um, you know, the 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 characters are pretty larger than life, um, and so you know the the songs take you a little bit into into what they're doing, um, but you don't realize until you look at what the what the musical's based on and the the actual person um that this is as as it says an almost totally fictionalized version yes. of his life yes <laughs> the full titles what is it the almost totally fictitious musical history of legs diamond yeah. yes <laughs> <laughs> yes and it very much is that yeah do you think actually do you think you could for our listeners sort of loosely summarize the plot of legs diamond Sure. Um, so, Legs is uh, a gangster, basically, on low on the totem pole. And when we start the show, he's just been released from jail um, because he took the fall for another, a big, bigger gangster called Arnold Rothstein. Mm-hmm. When he gets out, um, his friend Flo uh, tells him basically Rothstein has gotten a lot bigger and he's in charge now. So um, he meets Rothstein's girlfriend Kiki who they kind of come up with this plan to take advantage of Rothstein's resources, um, first by buying Legs all these clothes and and jewelry and all this stuff so that he can look fabulous, and then by taking over some of Rothstein's business. Um, And so, of course, Rothstein puts out a hit on Jack, and Jack, a.k.a. Legs. Mm. Um, And so at the end of Act 1... legs we think gets shot and and dies as the curtain goes down mm-hmm. act two comes up on his funeral and uh as somebody kind of insults him as they're going by his casket and he pops up <laughs> and says is that any way to talk to the near- recently deceased <laughs> um, and so he's he's faked his death mm-hmm. of course rostin doesn't like that so he mm-hmm. declares war on Legs Diamond, um, and Flo tries to help him get away, but he doesn't want to. She tells him that Kiki's now gonna get hit because she was helping him, um, so he goes to save her. Accidentally kills Rothstein in a scuffle, and so then the uh, police question all of his girlfriends, and nobody will give him up. It's revealed that he and Kiki have gotten married. Uh, and so that prevents her from having to testify. <laughs> and, of course, Flo's been in love with him, so she sings this big, fabulous number to lament that fact. Um, and he takes over the rest of Rothstein's empire now that he's dead, but then is is uh, caught by the FBI. And so he basically, again, stages things. So he puts all the evidence out 
so that nobody else gets blamed, and then stages his death again, this time hanging on a disco ball, um, and <laughs> pays off the hit. Flo comes out and shows that she knew that he had done it before, and so she figured he might do it again, and so they leave for Cuba. Mm-hmm. And that's the show. And scene, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a basic everyday tale that you would expect to find in a Broadway house, sixty Absolutely. in the late eighties. Sixty-four performances, and then and, and you're out. Uh, yeah, it's quite a plot-heavy show, which I think might surprise a lot of like for such a yeah. sort of light musical comedy that it wants to be. It has mm-hmm. a, a dense, dense plot and yeah. luck and, and prose writing. I mean, we say the score obviously by Peter Allen, but the book is by, you know, Harvey Firestein and, and Charles Sapon. Well, it's it started as Peter and Charles together. Mm-hmm. And from from what I'm told, it started much more uh, much more faithful to the film and mm-hmm. to the, his original source material. But they once well, they were supposed to do an out of town tryout. And that got canceled uh, um, in Alberta. And it got canceled because they realized everything is too big and it's going to cost as much to mount it there as it will on Broadway. Right. So that kind of screwed them. Yes. Um, and so <laughs> they brought in Harvey Firestein to kind of buff things up. And as they did it, they realized, oh, Peter is a showman. He yeah. is, you know... The, he, He's he's flamboyant, as was Legs, but in a very different way. So we yeah. need to lean into that. And so it became much more of a musical comedy than it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's a real, like, the movie it's based on is a real film noir, gritty, gangster. Mm-hmm. Again, also very fictionalized, but gangstery story. And this right. was a real person, Legs Diamond, we should say. Uh, famous yep. for sort of being unable to be killed, as far as I can tell. Like, mm-hmm. They shot him several times, and he always seemed to survive uh, right up until he yep. didn't. Um, but it is an odd, I mean, Peter Allen, when this show came out was, how old was he when he's playing this sort of around 40, yeah. early forties. Okay. Yeah. Well, now that I'm 40, I can't say that sounds old, <laughs> but it's, it's a little bit like, it's certainly when you hear the role, I imagine someone, I mean, much in their thirties anyway, probably yeah. in their twenties more than that with that vivacious yeah. kind of energy. And, uh, mm-hmm. and a lot of the reviews seem to focus on how inappropriate this role was for Peter Allen <laughs> in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they, I mean, they, they shaped it as much as they could mm-hmm. to fit him and his talents. They, you know, they made basically his entire role was talking to the audience rather right. than talking to the characters on stage, which helped in some ways, but really detracted from the, the uh, you know emotional connection between characters and things. And they and they cut the two characters that gave him humanity: his wife oh, who were... and his brother. Oh, okay. That was yeah. Christine was... Andreas and Bob Stillman mm-hmm. were in it when they started previews, mm-hmm. and they because they felt that they were slowing down the show mm-hmm. they cut them even though they were the two people that could give him humanity <laughs> well like you said i mean it, 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 what's so funny I'm, I'm thinking obviously i'm going to talk about nick and nora next week so that show's kind of on my mind and I, i'm like that show sort of suffers a little bit from having arthur lawrence being the book writer and the director and i have to imagine that the production of this show the pre-production and the preview period suffered a lot from peter allen being the composer lyricist and the star and 
unable to sort of, I mean, that's just, you're not, you know, able to be objective in the same way if you're standing in the house than if you're standing on the stage about what yeah, should be course. in, what should be out, what should be cut, what should, you know, what should not. Right. And, you know, because of that, he was being judged constantly yes. for everything. Yes. And the fact that they started in New York where there was no way of hiding it. Yeah. Just kind of, you know, it, it, it made him lose. Yeah. <laughs> in it all is ways. That, it's that weird period also in Broadway where, where they are transitioning in the whole eighties is really this period where the, the, the whole idea of the out of town tryout is kind of falling away due to expense. Mm -hmm. Um, and we really start to see a lot of musicals that the the general consensus wisdom on it, like starting with Merrily We Roll Along even, is that if, if it had been able to go out of town, it probably would have been, they would have worked some, would have at least figured out it was a problem before they got it into New York. And this is another, you know, in a long list of musicals in, in the 80s that are just, you think, man, if they've been able to take it to Boston and like really try it and and work on it, they might have been able to to figure out in a safer space that it wasn't yeah. working. Yeah, yeah, and I, I I saw that when they had kind of announced or or it had come out that they were not going to go out of town, mm -hmm. Sondheim wrote to Peter Allen and said, "That's a bad idea." Yeah, you know, don't there everybody's going to tell you get out, don't listen, mm -hmm. just you know do your work. Yeah, so it, it's really true because I mean, developing a, a new musical and being in it at the same time has got to be just like. But I mean, as you say before, that's Peter Allen. That's his. He is a showman. He's. It, yes. It's a very, in a lot of ways, the role is perfect for him. I, yeah. I, it, it is the the sort of the general, bon vivant raconteur kind of character is absolutely his his sort of cabaret stage personality. So. That makes perfect sense. This is, you know, the man who wrote "Between the Moon and New York City" for crying out exactly. loud. Exactly. Like, this is this is yep. this is where you're at. So you are, but you are a, a a Peter Allen aficionado. Is that am I correct in in saying that? I would say somewhat. Yeah. yeah. Especially for someone of my generation, you know, sure. <laughs> other other than the boy from Oz, you know, he's not mm -hmm. really known um, to my generation, and uh, I think that's a shame because he's got. A lot of great material, um, you know, a, lo a lot of the songs I love in Legs Diamond, but his his studio albums and stuff are really full of stuff. And he had, um, you know, he had hits with um, with Melissa Manchester and with Olivia Newton John, mm -hmm. and obviously his um, his uh, Academy Award for for Between the Moon and New York City, Arthur's theme. The Olivia Newton John one is especially, I think. Except the, his song, the I Honestly Love You, is a song yeah. you probably know. Maybe I hang around here a little more than I should. We both know I got somewhere else to go. But I got something to tell you that I never thought I would. But I believe you really ought to know. And that is actually something I think was the best part for me as somebody when Boy From Oz came out. Mm -hmm. But listening to that recording and sort of hearing songs and saying, oh, I know that. 
song. I didn't know I knew that song. Maybe I hang around here little more than I should. Both know I got somewhere else to go. But I got something to tell you that I never thought I would. But I believe you really are too. I love you I honestly love you How old did you say you were when you when you discovered Legs Diamond? Uh during college. college, yeah. So you were were you at that point already on your way to being a a performer? Yeah, I mean I had I had done it all through school um, and I was double majoring in music education and musical theater. Mm-hmm. So it was definitely one way or another, I was going to be involved in it um, and it ended up going the performing route. Mm-hmm. So. Well, teaching and performing are very, very closely linked. I think anybody yes. who, yeah, not only out of the fact that a lot of performers teach, but the act of teaching is, is very much a performance. Oh uh, yes. <laughs> yes. And I think that, yeah, any good teacher knows that it's a show as much as it's anything mm-hmm. else. So what, before legs diamond and, and, and uh, your discovery of, of Peter Allen, what were you listening to as a, as a music theater fan? Where were you at? Well, um, you know, in high school, I was, uh, my, my tastes were not nearly as broad. So mm-hmm. I, I knew the shows that we got to do. Um, and you know, every time a, a show was announced, uh, I would I would get the cast album, I would get the movie, um, and just kind of um, educate myself. Um, but I I remember my go tos included Wicked, of course, and Hairspray, um, uh, Fiddler on the Roof. Actually, in oh. high school, it was yeah, uh, I did I hadn't done it, but it, it was one that grabbed me. Um, and also, my mother is a pianist and has, you know, been a lover of musical theater her whole life. So there were movies that I watched growing up, mm. like Little Abner and Bye mm. Bye Birdie and Meet Me in St. Louis. Um, so I had, you know, I had a lot of the old school stuff um, already in my brain by the time I got to high school and college. Um, and then as I once I started actually participating in musical theater, then I got some of the newer stuff as well and was legs diamond sort of the first one of the first shows that was i I think there are always these shows we encounter as music theater fans that are ours that it's the show Mm -hmm. like we find the show and nobody else knows about it and we either you know bring other friends into it or we don't but it's fine we keep it kind of as our own was that legs diamond for you definitely one of them yeah Mm -hmm. there you know i i I started falling in love with flops um, as I as I okay. as I found them through college. Sure, um, and so yeah, it's it's definitely become a part of that favorite 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 list. <laughs> what do you like about flops? I just think you know, it's wonderful to know that there's gems that not a lot of people know. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely, I I love one of my favorite things when I go home anytime is just to. Uh, have my mom sit down at the piano and just sing mm-hmm. um and so pulling out these songs that i love that she's never heard or you know singing them for my grandma or things like that um i just i love i love the act of sharing um songs that that people don't know um and and showing them material that that not a lot of people appreciate mm-hmm. that is still great 
Yeah, and there are, I mean, there certainly are gems in every, I mean, every show. There's very few shows out there that have nothing worth listening to in it. Mm-hmm. I think probably from Legs Diamond, the songs that people would know, I mean, When I Get My Name in Lights is kind of the big mm-hmm. show-stoppy, great opening number. I mean, it yeah. really is like... It, you talk about when you're writing musicals, you know, you need to have an opening number that tells the audience like exactly what kind of show they're going to be watching. That absolutely tells you from the jump, like this is what it's going to be. <laughs> yep. As, kind of... as did the uh, gigantic lit up his name, like yes. Diamond, yep. um, in 80,000 light bulbs right. <laughs> as he sings it. Oh my gosh. I can't. I mean, this, the. I really have to imagine sitting in the audience, like just being like, "Well, yep, I don't know what I was expecting, but yes, that is, this is pretty <laughs> much, yeah, that okay, I get it. This is what it's going to be, and it absolutely maintains that tone the whole way through. I mean, it really oh, yeah. is. It's it's the rare sort of show, I think, in that sense that it it never cops out to what it is. What it is may not be necessarily what you're interested in, but mm-hmm. it is. It, it it's just it's just going to keep doing the same you know that thing over and over and over again and you are along for the ride in sort of the best possible way when it's really clicking yeah um, yeah the million light bulbs from the beginning all the way to getting shot on a on a disco ball and right. then a kick line in the bows you know well and it, there's it, <laughs> there is also this I, I I will say having I don't know that I'd ever listened to the entire album certainly not. With the you know with intent to talk to you mm-hmm. about it and to, and to keep it and I was really struck by how it was the the music is not music of the of the twenties you know it doesn't no. it doesn't go with well this is set in the twenties so we're going to do twenty style music it is kind of the Tommy tune everything old is new again sort of like uh, style where but when you have big band stuff but then you also like right away in the second song in speakeasy you get into some slap bass and some funk mm-hmm. and just sort of right away and and it yeah. really again sets the tone for like this is not going to be maybe what you thought it was gonna <laughs> no this is not going to be known on a net yeah <laughs> certainly not no absolutely not uh and i think yeah between between those sort of but i i do see why as good as Peter Allen sounds on the recording, and I think he sounds he sounds in great voice and in, and in fine form, I do sense that the show had a tendency to get maybe a little cloying in that that the this the relentlessness almost of the yeah. of of the of itself. You you kind of wonder how this would have been like it was probably two plus hours with an intermission. You kind of wonder maybe one one act, hundred minutes, like see, <laughs> that's <laughs> well, enough for everybody. <laughs> it was the eighties. It was the eighties. That was it not was an the option. Mega musical. Yes, and this definitely you know? lives in one. Actually, I would say it wants to live in that era. I don't know that it really fully gets to mega musical status for me. Certainly an expense, but in like it. Yeah. It doesn't. The, the feel scope grander. of it does, mm-hmm. but yeah, but the the material itself, yeah, doesn't go there. Yeah, it stays very, very personal in mm-hmm. in sort of the and even like you say in the in the large like end of Act One, uh, sh- New Year's Eve party uh, mm-hmm. attempted attempted hit. 
it still keeps very close with its, you know, there's only like five or six characters really that we hear from throughout this thing and yeah. sort of sticks with them throughout the entire, it doesn't really broaden out to to include all the world that Legs inhabits necessarily. No, it, I mean, it, it definitely revolves right around him. <laughs> oh yeah. Which they, I think they kind of felt they needed to do. Uh, yeah. Because of, it was Peter and he was above the title and... So yeah, we're coming to see him. He absolutely is. If you have, if you find this uh, cover art for this album, he is just as big, his name just as large, and just yep. as bright as Legs Diamond. Uh, so as you've gotten uh, older and sort of more experienced in in music theater and cabaret and performance, what have you? How has Peter Allen and his music grown for you? Well, I've started. I've started to perform it myself. Mm. You know, I in college I was just listening um, and absorbing it. Uh, and as I started to put together my own nightclub act, um, I, I I found myself going to Peter Allen's material um, at whenever any time I was putting together a new show and saying, you know, what what story can I tell with his songs. Um, the, the my my I'm doing a nightclub act on December 10th, mm-hmm. um, at premiering a new show, and uh, the I, I'm going to be doing a couple songs actually from Legs Diamond, um, along with one that you inadvertently mentioned, "Everything Old Is New Again," ah, um, <laughs> without meaning right. to. Oh, there we go. Uh, all right, that's synergy so it, right there. Like yes, that. <laughs> um, and this is Technicolor Dreams, right? The show that you're yes you're premiering. Yeah. At Green Room Forty Two, on, yep, on December tenth. Yeah, and it's so. What are the so? What songs from Legs Diamond are you are you performing? Well, it opens with "When I Get My Name in Lights." Sure, good opener. Um, very, very and, good opener. Yes, and then we go into um, uh, "Everything Old Is New Again," mm-hmm. and then we close out with the eleven o'clock number. All I wanted was the dream. There you go. That's which a good. I thought fit Technicolor Dreams pretty well. If it does. <laughs> So when when you're how many of these sort of cabaret shows have you have you done in your in your career? Uh, I'd say this is maybe my fourth or fifth, um, like new mm-hmm. con- construct newly constructed show. Um, yeah, I've uh, so I've been doing it for the past few years, mm-hmm. um, a couple years pre pandemic, and then now right. since I've gotten back, <laughs> right since we've all come come back to life a little bit. So what is when you're what 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 brought you to cabaret performing as a as a, as a form of expression? Well, I've worked uh, regionally um, as an actor a, a good amount, and uh, was looking for a way to showcase my talents mm-hmm. in New York City. Sure, um, you know because you do the daily grind. Not so much right now because the pandemic has changed how auditions happen. Right. Um, but you know, normally you do the daily grind. You're going to auditions constantly, and then you get a job out of town and you leave. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's not. It's sometimes difficult to find a way to show your talent here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, uh, my manager and I together came up with this idea. Came up with the, you know, the concept of what we wanted to do and how we wanted to do it, and just put it all together and and uh, have it's been very successful so i'm i'm grateful for that that's really what what do you enjoy about cabaret performing that you keep coming back to it so much 
the intimacy is is the main thing. Mm -hmm. um, unlike most theatrical um, performances, you're you're so close, mm -hmm. and it's all about communicating directly to the audience. You're not playing a character; you're just telling the story of the songs that you're singing. Mm -hmm. um, and I love I love to figure out ways to tell a broader story where I can include. You know, I can use two songs together or three songs together mm -hmm. to tell you know a, a, an arc of a story that one song in itself wouldn't give me. Um, in addition to you know to, to individual songs that have that beautiful arc already built in. Mm. So it's yeah, it's it's a great it's a great opportunity to to be able to feel the energy so directly and so close and that exchange with the audience. Mm hmm. Is that something you sort of discovered right away when you were cabaret, when you're performing your cabarets or is it something that built over time, you think? I think it's uh, you, you you once you get over the nerves, uh -huh. it's pretty it's pretty obvious. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, um, as long as the audience is buying what you're selling, it's it's there from the start. I mean, it's, it's such a I don't think people really understand how much skill and work go into a well-crafted cabaret evening. I think there's, I mean, we've all seen, you know, the shows by whoever getting up and saying, well, when I came to New York, I only had $4 and a cat, you know, and then they sing, <laughs> you know, God, I hope I get it. And we, you know, and then it's this, the story of, you know, generic breakup stories and things like that. But yeah. the best cabarets you've seen, I mean, I think have this off the cuff, feel but are incredibly like that 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 feeling is is meticulously crafted oh yes in, yeah do you and is that something you you enjoy the challenge of crafting an evening like that or when you sit down to make a new one are you like oh good okay here we go what's this one gonna <laughs> be right. no i i enjoy it um it's how how we've put it together has kind of evolved mm. when it when we first did it it was my manager and i together sitting there crafting you know he would give an idea and then i would translate that into how i would say it and you know he would say something and i say oh i cannot say that um you know <laughs> things like that at this point right <laughs> at this point i've absorbed enough and i'm kind of in tune with how how i want it to go and how he wants it to go that i'm able to write a full draft basically mm. and then go to him and we then tweak it you know, to 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 keep the flow and to mm -hmm. to hit the points that he really wants um, hit, and to achieve that off the cuff feeling. Right. Um, but yeah, it's I, I I'm I've learned how to do that. <laughs> sure. Well, like I say, it is a skill. So when you when you decide to make a, a new show, is it do you have a theme in mind or like I want to perform these songs? How do we can we get this? How do we put these together? Or is it more of a concept and then you build the songs around it? Um, for me, I'm not normally I'm not normally tied to a particular theme. Um, our our concept going in and continues to be um, a Las Vegas style nightclub mm. act, mm -hmm. um, where classic. It's yeah, it's classic, but it's all about building and you know wowing the crowd over and over and over. Um, obviously giving peaks and valleys not, sure, sure, <laughs> not sure. hammering away like right. Red's Diamond um, but, but um, you know well, folks get all, out your knockers always, here we go 
Okay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but we always try to to do some unexpected stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And I love I love taking material in addition to the material that people don't necessarily know, mm-hmm. taking material that they know really, really well, but reinterpreting it in my own style um, and kind of giving a, a different take on things. Do you have a like a, a term or a phrase for the style that you try to bring to stuff like that? Is there sort of something like the what makes a Mark William take on a on a song you know so well? I've been called a new age old school crooner. Ooh, I like that so, series of words. That's fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a blend. It's yeah. you know, it's it's the old school style that I learned from listening to Frank Sinatra and Steve Lawrence and J- Jack Jones and all those guys. Mm-hmm. But it's the contemporary pop sensibility that I've grown up, you know, listening on the radio and mm-hmm. and and the more contemporary musical theater stuff that both of those are are very much in my brain and very much in how I approach things. Um, and that blend seems to really resonate with people. Is it a, a blending, like we say that the sort of old, like big band classic singers versus modern pop sensibility. Is it a, a sense of energy or is it more like a sense of looseness with the, the written material? Cause I mean, some of those big band singers are pretty, stoic in terms of like no that's a quarter note that's an eighth and like i'm holding this and like i'm not gonna vary because you're dealing with a large band and sometimes a band leader who's actually in charge of of what's going on musically whereas i think we think of pop music as being a little bit more like well we'll just you know sort of like can be a lot more loose and and free with the material is it that kind of blending that, that you do or is it is it more of an energy like youthful injection of energy to the old school style or both. I, I would guess. say, yeah, I would say both. Mm. Um, you know, I, I very much, I, I'm a devotee of the music. So mm. uh, from this, you, usually the first time you hear the chorus, it's going to be pretty much what's mm. on the page. Mm-hmm. But then it's not going to stay that way. It's gonna, sure. it's gonna grow, and it's gonna, I'm gonna play with it, um, and have fun with it. So, um, yeah, I, I, my, my style comes from from the crooners. But mm-hmm. my my energy, my sensibility, um, definitely is it's glazed by the the contemporary pop. Sure, well, it makes perfect sense. Is it, it you gravitated towards crooners because I mean I imagine just by having spoken to you that you are in the the lower vocal range uh, yes. when singing. Yeah, is that where the the sort of crooner attraction comes from? Is the is the the range of the songs, or is there sort of an attitude, like a stage persona attitude that you that you find very appealing? I guess the voice part probably has something to do with it. Mm-hmm. Not consciously. Mm-hmm. Um, just the the way that I really got into crooning was um, I had a set of three Sinatra CDs that my mom had gotten me. And I was driving to and from a, a theater during one summer um, and just rotating through those CDs over and over and over and absorbing mm-hmm. that style. Um, and I'm sure it helped that Sinatra's range was my range. Right. Um, but yeah, I just, I immediately connected with that style and loved how I felt singing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once i once my manager saw me do that in front of an audience and saw how they reacted to it 
He said, this is what we need to grab onto. <laughs> this is the kind of show we need to do. Sure. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. It, it, and, and I do see why, again, like it makes it makes a lot of sense. Because I, I will say when when Rob put us together and I, I read a little bit of your, your resume and, and heard you sing a little bit. And I thought, OK, this, you know, we'll, we'll have we'd love to have you on the show. When you picked Legs Diamond, it did take me <laughs> back slightly as just a show that not a lot of people know, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and but it is really of a piece. The more you're you're, you're talking, the more uh, the more I'm learning of your. It it really fits what you're talking about. This sort of energetic pop sensibility, but inside of this very old school. Vegas entertainment. I mean, that is the thing I really, really listened to, really heard when listening to it, I should say, is just like this really felt like a Vegas show in in so many ways and in its ostentatiousness, in its uh, way over the top sensibilities. And then, like you say, in its just sheer outlandishness of (laughs) of, like you said, guy getting shot on a disco ball like that's not, you know. Yeah, that's, well, that's, and that's a lot. <laughs> that's what Peter Allen was doing in this time period. He was playing mm-hmm. Vegas and he was playing, you know, uh, Radio City and kick lining with the Rockettes. And, mm-hmm. and so that was him. And he there's there's so much about him that I identify with, which is which is why I think I I cling to his music so much, mm-hmm. um, because there's just his his character and his energy and his that that Vegas sensibility it just it grabs me and and I like it <laughs> so I go along with it what other peter allen sort of stuff do you recommend to people when they if they if they ask uh i mean he has he has a a number of albums mm-hmm. um, yeah he he started out in a duo with chris and peter allen in in australia right. and then was discovered by judy garland Right. Um, and kind of brought to America thanks to her. Mm-hmm. Eventually married Liza and then divorced. Right. Um, but yeah, you know, he his um, I could have been a sailor album is fabulous. Mm, uh, mm-hmm. Continental American is great. Um, I shortly after Legs Diamond, he put out his final album, Making Every Moment Count, mm. which includes um, When I Get My Name in Lights as a duet with Harry Connick Jr. Um, oh wow! And it is very, very eight, late eighties pop. Sure, which I just love. Sit on a flagpole, whatever's the rage, just to get my pache on the front page, and just to get my name in lights. I grew up in in my mom's car with the um, soft rock station on all the time, so ah, okay. that kind of stuff. It, it's just very nostalgic for me. Um, sure, but yeah, I, I love a lot of that stuff, and and. All of his albums have some really great songs on them, mm-hmm. um, but I, I would definitely recommend you know even if if you know the boy from Oz, 
obviously all that you know there's great material in there but there are some other really great songs that that they didn't include in that show that mm -hmm. that are definitely worth taking a listen to so just ask alexa she'll she'll play them there all you go you. there it is right now <laughs> it, it was funny listening to because i did after i listened to legs diamond a couple times i did go back to the boy from oz and listen to the songs from legs diamond that are featured in in the in the mm -hmm. boy from oz and um i was struck by uh only an older woman really stuck out to me as a such a i mean because obviously in in legs diamond the context is is a little different than in boy from oz stir up a flame from out of the embers i sense a fire starting in you what do you say to making some memories out of the old comes something that's new maybe an older woman is gonna help me come through as for me i just can't wait to see her honestly i was hoping you might be her but i mean it being that idea of like this is judy garland and he's singing this song that he would write you know as a human years later for a different project right. has such a specific and almost one-to-one -one relationship to his actual life it, it, yeah. it, in such a neat way you you kind of can't believe it stir up the flame from out of the embers i sense a fire starting in you what do you say to making some memories out of the old on something that's new maybe an older woman is going to help us break through as for me i just can't wait to see her honestly i was hoping you might be her eventually when you get to be an older woman like me so you you seem to know a lot about peter allen personally though this your interest seems to venture beyond simple artistic enjoyment is this is it somebody who have you done a lot of research about him he, he fascinates me um my manager um knew him and and oh wow you know, okay saw saw him many times mm -hmm. uh, while he was you know having his moment sure um and so he you know he's encouraged that and and shared you know videos that they they had and uh oh wow you know, I'm, I'm also uh a collector of um, memorabilia and you know window cards and posters and stuff and so mm -hmm. i've i've accumulated a number of peter allen um concert posters and and stuff like that in addition to the likes diamond uh, window card and album oh wow um, but uh yeah he's he's my my best friend from high school came to visit and stayed with me mm -hmm. and he's like who is this Peter Allen guy that you have all over your apartment? <laughs> I'm like, remember that medley we did in men's chorus where we sang, I go to Rio. That was right. Him. That was it. <laughs> I love being able to, to share his material and, and mm -hmm. carry on his legacy and try to embody that spirit that he, that he had. Um, and that's the great thing about live performance is it's only now it's only while you're mm -hmm. in this room together. Yeah. Um, you know, you can, you can record an album, you can make a, you know, make a video of your show, but it's not the same. It's that energy. 
um, and clearly he had so much of it. Yes. Um, and and that that's what sold him was that that live interaction. Mm-hmm. It's it's really true, and I, I think that it's 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 a terrible double edged sword. When I read about read some reviews of Legs Diamond, where you think people his performance was greatly bemoaned in it being inappropriate for it, but at the same time, I don't even know if it would have been an anything without his specific talents in front of it. So it's that kind of right. odd double you know it's it, it's a damned if you do damned if you don't kind of scenario with, right. with him and this character would you really want to see peter allen be a serious mean gangster like what no. and would you would you want to <laughs> see this very sort of silly gangster played by anybody else is the other right. sort of question like singing those yeah. songs because peter allen songs are you know very specific when especially when it's ones that he wrote by himself mm-hmm. he you know his collaborations with like carol bayer sayer and, and and the other collaborators he had you you sense a sort of give and take in those mm-hmm. in those songs but the ones that you listen to i mean you can really tell on boy from oz when you're listening to a song he wrote by himself they have a very specific feel and and tenor to them yeah. and this show is is that from from top to bottom i mean it's yes. all that very specific love it or leave it it's all he's, yep. he's putting it all on the show for you yeah. Uh, so would you want to see anyone else play Legs Diamond? I think the answer is, I mean, maybe, but ugh, probably, <laughs> probably not. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's similar to the the thought of when uh, Deer World happened mm. and everybody had just seen Angela Lansbury play Mame and she was this glamorous, fabulous woman. Um, and then they, oh, we're going to go see the next great Jerry Herman, Angela Lansbury show right and then she was this crazy kooky like you know little musical that Mm -hmm. ended up getting blown up um, right into something way too big for its for its source material but um you know that was part of that show's downfall yes I mean, well, yes, absolutely, and it 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 is such a an odd. I'm sure you've run into this too, like this this the expectation the audience brings in to what the show is going to be, and how as a performer, I mean, especially in the position you're in in a cabaret, you have to if you're you have to understand what that expectation is so that you can either meet it or not. But if you're not going to meet it, you still have to know what it is so you you can play with it enough so the audience feels like they're in safe hands here for a little bit um and you can say like well maybe you were expecting to see this kind of show but you're not so here we go with this but i'll give you a little taste of what you were expecting just to get you comfortable yeah, yeah. and then we'll kind of absolutely we'll kind of go from there yeah my creating this this new show i you know, I came up with a, a prospective set list, mm-hmm. gave it to my manager, and he said, I'm worried about this, this, and this. The audience is gonna, knows what to expect from your opening number, and I don't think this is going to deliver it. So can we consider uh, switching these things around? Mm-hmm. So what was the impetus be- behind creating this this new show? Uh, you know, I I kind of... I like to do a show every few months mm-hmm. and and have have the opportunity for people to see me and to, mm-hmm. to share you know new material and uh, you know my last show that I did was uh, Valentine's Day mm-hmm. um, so for once that that was very thematic there you go um, <laughs> all, all the all the love love type songs that I've done sure um, but uh, yeah so I, I wanted to create something new and um i also 
I'm I'm a budding songwriter myself, following in Peter Allen's footsteps, oh. and uh, in more ways than than I've mentioned yet. But um, oh, uh, <laughs> uh, but I wanted to be able to do a show that included some more of my material. I've only done one song that I've written in mm-hmm. past shows, um, and so this this show is going to have a few things that I've written. Um, one of which uh, happens to be for a musical that I'm writing for myself to star in. Ah, <laughs> okay. All right. Well, so, the truth comes out. Here we are now. Well, so yes. when did that project start? During the pandemic. That was a pandemic um, project? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I went, as soon as they announced that New York was shutting down, I got in my car and drove home to Ohio mm-hmm. and stayed there for 14 months. So... While I was there, my manager said, this is the time we, we're going to start Zooming and start working on a show. Oh, so that was it something you had kind of wanted to do for a little while? And we had, to- you know, we had discussed it. Um, mm-hmm. We just hadn't had had the time and the and the impetus to do it. Sure. And then all of a sudden you had it. <laughs> we had all the time in the world. Is there anything you'd care to share about it? And we're hoping to do a reading early next year. Okay. Um, so it's it's a... It's a takeoff on the Dorian Gray story, um, oh. set set in 1970s New York. Oh my! Okay, we we did a, a partial reading, mm. um, a table read just for the, you know the people involved. Sure. Um, earlier in the fall, and my favorite thing was getting to hear these songs that we had written sung by everybody else. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I know how I'm going to sing the songs that I write for myself, but mm-hmm. to hear somebody else interpret the lyric that I've created and, um, you know, bring those characters to life. That, that was something I hadn't experienced before, mm-hmm. you know, really. Uh, so that was, that was the coolest part. <laughs> and I'm really good. looking forward to, you know, the, some of the, the larger numbers we've created a quartet and stuff like that that mm-hmm. like oh i want to hear other people sing this <laughs> yeah that's the juice that's the stuff that'll keep you going in the dark and, and quiet nights when it's just not working as <laughs> the, yep. the I, those those are the moments you sort of you hang on to i have to ask here as we come sort of to the end naturally i have to ask as i ask all my guests what is your favorite song in the musical you have selected what is your favorite song in legs diamond well, I'm not good at favorites. Sure. <laughs> um, the the two that I mentioned that are going to be in my show, um, when I get my name in lights and all mm-hmm. I wanted was the dream, mm-hmm. are definitely two of them. Um, and the other one is uh, the music uh, went out of my the music went out of my yes life, yes which we haven't we haven't mentioned Julie Wilson yet who yeah. Sp- Speaking of Cabaret, was the absolute yes. queen of it. Absolutely. Um, and and you was nominated. Feel that. Yeah, she was nominated for a Tony for this. Yes. She was the only actor nominated from this show. Some girls grow up to be ladies. I went straight to what I am. Some boys become men. So I've heard it said. But how many times? Can a heart be hurt until it's dead? Yeah, Julie is is the ultimate broad. Yeah, and you know she she, she goes from only an older woman, this you know sardonic and fun right. song duet with Peter, to uh, to 
the music went out of my life. Where mm-hmm. She's basically ripping her heart out and saying, why can't I find the right guy? Yeah. <laughs> you know, every time that I get a guy and I think it's going to work out, he leaves and mm-hmm. the music is gone. And I also love that metaphor of, you know, the music being that the the joy of life and the, the reason mm-hmm. to live, because for a lot of us, it is a big part of that. <laughs> I need you to pick one that I'm going to play over the closing credits of the show. I mean, the 11 o'clock number is all I wanted was the dream. So mm-hmm. we should probably go with that. that. That's a good that's a good way out. I like that. I like that logic from a man who that's knows right. how to craft an evening. Yeah, <laughs> that's really great. Uh, yeah. Sorry to make you pick, but I have a. <laughs> that's OK. You have okay. a format. I have a show and a format to maintain. I have to hold on. You can, I'm sure you can respect that. I have a way. Oh, yes. I've got it. Yeah. So the show is Technicolor Dreams. It's at uh, the Green Room 42, December 10th, 7 p.m. And there's a link in the show notes where you can where you can get tickets. We're live streaming too, so if you're, oh, even if okay. you're not in New York, we can oh, you can right. watch at the same link. Same link you can get yes. those tickets. Oh, fantastic! Yes. All right. Well, then there's no excuse, guys. You have to go see see Mark. <laughs> there's no no matter where you are. Step right up, yowza yowza. Nothing up my sleeve or trouser. Ain't got no heart, cause I'm traveling light. All I wanted was the dream. Not like anybody else. I didn't want it pushed aside, forgotten on a shelf. I wanted laughs and lots of lovers and limitless wealth for the whole world to see. You're better than anybody else. The original cast is produced and edited by me, Patrick Flynn. Please rate and review us on your podcatcher of choice. It's the easiest way to help the podcast grow. Go to bit.ly slash originalcaststore for t-shirts, tote bags, magnets, and more. If you like movie musicals, then you have to check out patreon.com slash originalcastpod to learn about our bonus podcast, The Original Cast, at the movies. You can follow The Original Cast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at originalcastpod. Special thanks to our social media manager, Bethany Zalecki. Hi, Bethany. My thanks to Mark William for coming and talking to me. I'm Patrick Flynn. And I can't. I have rehearsal. All I wanted was time to forget about my past. I didn't know time could come and go so terribly fast. It's hard to lose it when you're happy. But then you'll wake up and it seems That dream, that your dream Was just